Spirit revealed some things to me that I'm just like, okay. And it got revealed to me on Tuesday, and I had to go to Winterfire. You have no idea. Well, some of you may too. I have no idea when you feel like God has given you a revelation or given you something that you now have to hold on to until the time has come. It drives you crazy. And so, thank God Sunday's here. Hallelujah. Then tomorrow coming, then I'll be stressing out, Lord, what are you going to talk to us about next Sunday? There's a book I read. It's entitled, Sunday is Coming. Like it's like you know you know Sunday evening is over and now you know you, you eat dinner you try to relax and then Monday comes and all of a sudden your mind goes to Sunday is coming God what are you gonna give me for your people I need something and He decides what time when where He gives it to you and you're walking the whole time saying All right Lord I'm waiting I'm here anything for Sunday yet you know and you keep going you know anything for Sunday yet but this week He gave me Sunday on Tuesday. But God is so amazing in all that he does. He knew I was busy at work. He knew I was going to winter fire. He knew all this stuff. So he gave me today's word early. So uh, we have the word of the Lord for today. Some days, sometimes he wait till Saturday evening. Sometimes he wait till the middle of the week. He just does whatever he wants. So I serve him and live for him. And so I'm okay with it. I have no problem with it. Second Corinthians chapter 4. Let's get into the word of the Lord. Help us, Jesus. We'll read verse 3 and verse 4. Again, welcome our guests. Thank you for being here with us today. And I believe the Lord will help us if we will let him. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 says, But if, somebody say if, our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world, small g, had blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Let me read it to you. That was the uh, King James Version. Let me read it to you in the NIV Version. And even if our gospel is veiled... It is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Father, one more time, let your presence overshadow us. I feel your presence. I know you want to work, Lord God. Oh, would somebody allow God to work today in their heart? Will you allow God to work in your heart and your mind? Father, transmit, impart, overshadow us by your spirit, your power, and your word. We don't want to leave the same way we came in, but give us a real intimate Oh, God, communion with you today, Lord God. Speak to us, Lord God, and constrain us by righteousness and obedience. And let faith, Lord God, cause us uh, to become doers of what we hear. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody say amen. amen. You may be seated. I've entitled the message today, Uncovering the Gospel. Uncovering the Gospel. Scripture says, and if our gospel be hid, if it's veiled, 
if it's covered. So we have to uncover what is hiding the gospel. The gospel is the joyous good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. The word gospel translated from Greek to English simply means good news. The gospel is not a new plan of salvation. It is the fulfillment of God's plan of salvation which started in the book of Genesis after the fall of mankind. But it was completed in Jesus Christ. The gospel is more than a biography intended to provide information about an historical character. It is the presentation of the life of Jesus Christ to show his saving significance to all people and to call them to a life of faith in him. The gospel reveals the glory of God. It tells us that Jesus Christ is the almighty God in the flesh. Now, I have to stop there and tell you, to understand the gospel and understand really what it boils down to is this. That almighty God manifested himself as man to save human. That's the gospel. Now, we can, I'm going to go through some of it detailedly, but... The bottom line is the almighty God, the creator of all things. When man fell in the book of Genesis and now man began to live apart from God, God had to put together a plan to save mankind. He had to become the savior of mankind. So not only is God the creator of mankind, but God had to become the savior of mankind because man did not continue in God's statue. Man did not continue to walk in the commandments of God. And so when we did not, God had to get us back into walking in the commandments of God. And so we must understand that since man sinned in the Garden of Eden, all God been doing is trying to restore and save man. The gospel. Nobody was capable of saving us except for the one who created us. But he could not have really saved us, or let me change that and say, he desired to save us the way he decided to, which is to become God manifest. See, before all that time in the Old Testament, God was invisible, or he may manifest himself uh, in different ways, but we didn't see God as man. Maybe in the fire. But the bottom line is, for God to save us, he decided, I'm going to become man. Even before we sin. He knew we would sin. He knew we would fall. But he knew the plan would be, I will become one of them so I can save them. The Lord God omnipotent became Emmanuel. God with us. John chapter 1 verse 14 says, And the word was made flesh. And dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. God Almighty became man so he can save human. That's the gospel in a nutshell. The Son of God, 
He's only called the son of God, even though he's almighty God. He's called the son of God because he was the son of Mary and Joseph. (laughs) The son of God in due time gave himself as a ransom for our sins. I don't know about you, but I can't imagine the sight of almighty God, Jesus Christ, in the garden, oppressed with our load of guilt and sin. And he was so overload with our guilt and, and, and our sin that, that as he prayed and as he called on God, his sweat that came on him became as blood. All for you and all for me. All for you and all for me. Who has ever prayed for you before to the point where their sweat became as blood? Who has ever agonized for you to the point where they began to sweat and the sweat became as blood? Who has ever called on the name of God for you like your Savior? We're here this morning because of the grace of God. God. We're here this morning because of the love of God. And somehow we come to church week in and week out and we don't understand that we're only here because of the grace of God. Because of the love of God. We're only here because God cares so much about us. But somehow we're living our life like it was his job and oh God you needed to do that for me. And we still treating God like he's obligated to do what he does that's how we treat God like he's obligated oh that's God he you know that's what he got to do when we disqualified ourselves a long time ago when he said the soul that sinneth shall surely die so we 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 sinned and we were supposed to die but God in his grace and his mercy didn't allow us to die. Never can we imagine a more glorious thing than he, for our sake, was obedient to death. Can you imagine going to your death for something you did not do? Can you imagine being beaten for something you did not do? You volunteered yourself. So the people that are persecuting you, the people that are beating you, you volunteered to take a beating from them so they could be saved. Oh, my God. I hear the Holy Ghost today. None of us has ever been through what Jesus has been through. But somehow we're allowing our situations to be worse than Jesus Christ. Our response to our situations, uh, comparing to Jesus' response uh, to his situation, they don't even compare. And when Jesus walked the earth, even though he was God in the flesh, he was fully man. So he did not get some kind of, he wasn't better than us in the flesh. He was just like us in the flesh. And as he walked in the flesh, he was just like us. And he went through what he went through and did what he had to do 
And we are going through less than, so much less than what he went through. And we're struggling and we're complaining and we're murmuring and we can't get it together. And there's always a problem and we can't do what we need to do when God is saying, you don't have to go through what I went through. We don't have to go through what he went through. Listen, in this church, we said Christ is our central focus. There's a reason why that's what we say and that's what it's supposed to be because we're focused on the things that will cause us to go astray. It doesn't start right away, but eventually we will get there. Jesus died for our sins. Jesus was buried for our sins. But he was risen from the dead because of us. He ascended to heaven and he's sitting on the throne right now and even making intercession for all of us that where he is, we will be one day. Since God became man, Christ Jesus, and became the atonement for our sins, here we go. Most reasonably, shouldn't we accept and obey him? Shouldn't we just live for God? Obey God for what he has done for us. What should we be doing? Nobody should be able to get you off track. Because they didn't do for you what Jesus did for you. I can't let you get me off track. You're going to have to just call me what you need to call me and say about me what you need to say about me because I can't let an individual get me to not focus and not walk with God because what God did for me, that individual could never do for me. What God has done for me, no money can do for me. What God has done for me, no job can do for me. What God has done for me, no other relationship can do for me. So why? Why are we allowing ourselves to go astray? Why are we allowing ourselves to get off the beaten path? Why are we struggling so much to just surrender everything to Christ when He was the one? I can't let you get in my way. I don't care what you say. I don't care what she says. I don't care what anybody says because they did not do for me what Christ did for me. We got to start understanding that. When things begin to get rocky in our life, when things become a struggle to us, we got to start saying, I know times are hard. I know it's rough right now. I know how I'm feeling right now. I know what I'm going through right now. But guess what? God didn't bring me this far and not able to bring me through. And so I'm going through this. I'm going to work through this. If God is for me, who can be against me? I will make it through because he didn't go through that extreme to lead me in that situation. 
Can you imagine what God has done? You think God is going to go through all of that and leave you in that situation that you're in. You think God is going to go through all of that for you to keep suffering. You think God is going to go through all that for you to be miserable. We don't have to be miserable, church. We choose to be miserable. If we will focus on Christ, if we will focus on Him, it's in Him we live and move and have our being. That's where we receive joy. That's where we receive healing. That's where we receive deliverance. That's where we receive everything we need. Everything is in Him. Why am I going to allow anybody or any situation or any circumstance to get in my way of serving my God, of obeying my God? I will trust Him because He has shown me what He will do for me. He rose for us. He rose for us. We so foolish that all that God has done for us, you know what we stand around and try to do? We stand around and try to figure it out. Oh, I'm not going to do that until I figure it out. That's not what you say. But you know what we like to say? When I get myself together, I'll come to church. When I get my life right, I'll come to church. Uh, when that situation work out, then I'll give all to God. Uh, when I can get through this, when my finances get right, then I'll stop working that job on Sundays. We got all kind of stuff that we're saying. Uh, but if you could do it on your own, uh, you would have done it a long time. Uh, you would have made it through a long time. Uh, but I'm here to tell you, uh, you got to let God be God in your life. And everything else will take care of itself. Because God will take care of it for you. We need, we need to stop trying to figure out how does this all work. We're arguing with grace. <laughs> We're trying to understand grace. We're trying to understand everything about what God has done. It is wiser to eat which is set before you and enjoy it as opposed to die for hunger because you can't figure out what's in the meal. You're starving. You're hungry. You're desperate. If you don't eat something, you're going to die. And somebody come and set a meal down before you and you pick and if I want that. You starving. If you don't eat, you're going to die. I don't know about that. I don't know. That's what we're doing with Jesus. We come to church and instead of just, just eat what he gives us, instead of just obey him, we're going through it and trying to see what's in the meal. What kind of recipe is it? What did he use? That ain't for you to figure out. It's for you to just eat what he gives you. Stop trying to figure out what he has done. Stop trying to figure out grace. You can't figure out God. You won't know everything about God until when you get to heaven. So stop trying to figure it out here on earth. We're not asked to understand God justify us in Christ. But we're asked to believe. And obey what God says. That's what the Bible is telling us. That's what God is saying to us. We need to believe and we need to obey. But stop trying to figure out what's in the meal, the, the recipe. It's not for you to figure out. 
You're spending time trying to figure it out. People come to church and they listen to the preacher to figure out what they can get out of it. They, they listen to the preacher and they take this and they leave that. They listen to the preacher and they decide, okay, I don't know if I like that. Or they begin to try to get deep in their own mind and try to figure out what's going on when God is ultimately the one that's working. It's God ultimately doing what he wants to do. It's not about the people. We got to stop letting people get in the way. We're slipping and letting people, instead of just believing, trusting God, depending on God, leaning on God, relying upon God. That's what we need to do. And stop trying to figure this all out. The gospel is plain and clear. It contains nothing that is perplexed. If it's your desire... To obey it, you can obey it. It's not hard. God didn't make the gospel hard. He didn't make it confusing. He didn't make it uh, so perplexed that you can't figure it out. He didn't do that. And so if God didn't do that, here's the question. Why are so many people not obeying the gospel and living victoriously in Christ? We all need to just take a moment to ponder that. Why aren't we living a victorious life in Christ? Or why haven't we just totally given our life to Christ to obey him? Just jump right in. You know, I like to say, the pool may be cold and everything like that, but guess what? Just jump. Just run and jump right in. What are you waiting for? What is it that you need to figure out when it comes to Christ? What is it that you're looking for? I, I In this day and age, I should have people running to me saying, Pastor, I want to do this for God. Pastor, I want to do that for God. Because it's only what we do for Christ that will last. Everything that we're doing will one day, we'll look at and realize, what did that mean anyway? If you check with some of our elders, you'll see their, their, their life is different now. How they see things is different because they got older and realized what was really important. Can I ask you a question? This never changed. What is the most important thing as you watch elders? What is the thing that gets them going the most, that they enjoy the most at their old age? Somebody just said it. Somebody just said it. Say it, Brother Ivan. What'd you say? Why do you think that is? Well, it's children because when you get old, you realize the only thing that ever mattered your whole life was relationships. When you get older, you realize none of this ever really meant anything. You probably, if you get older and, and you can't help yourself, you probably got to go into a, a, an assisted living or a nursing home. And so now you're, you're not even living in the house that you paid for. Somebody else is driving your car. Things are just different now. And so now you're in a nursing home where people are taking care of you. And they're not taking care of you the way you want to, the way they want to. They're taking care of you. And you have nothing. Nothing. House gone. Somebody driving your car. House may be still there. Some of your grandkids, your kids may be occupying it or they may, may sell it and take the money. You get older, they can't wait till you die so they can just take everything. But my point is, you get older and you realize the only thing that really mattered is relationship. Look at my great-grandchildren. Look at my children. And you start thinking about people when you get older because really that's all that really matters. Why does it have to take us to get to 70 and 80 and 90 to realize that's what really matters? 
we spend our time just wasting it away on all kind of things that don't really matter. Our life has to be, listen to me, we have to start living our life for Christ so well. See, I was sharing with brother, one of my brothers this morning. I won't call their name. I was sharing with him, and I was saying, listen, people know they're supposed to serve God. And so many of them are not serving God. But they're watching the people that's serving God. To see, and I don't even know if this is always conscious of them. It could be conscious or sometimes not even conscious. But they're watching you to make a determination in their mind if it's worth serving God. And so now... They're doing what they want, and you're going to church. And here is the thing that we must pay attention to. You're praying for them, and you don't see anything, so now you're ready to give up. They're looking at you to see if you're going to keep living for God, to see if God is really real, and they're watching you, and you're shaky. What do you think happens to them? If what you say you believe is shaky, why would they ever come to know the God that you know? And I believe that we're in a place where, where, where things could be stagnant and not moving because we're watching each other. And we're not watching Jesus. The, 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 the relatives that are unsaved are watching you to make sure this is real. And maybe they'll try what you're doing because it's real. But it takes a long time for them to realize how real it is. It takes a long time for them to say, you know what? Yeah, God is real and that's true before they're making it. And while they're watching you, you're getting weak and weary and thinking that maybe, uh, well, maybe I can miss church today. Maybe I can do this. And the people that you hope to see saved. You may never see saved because you're worrying about other things. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Can I tell you this? If you have heard the gospel preach, which you should have heard it preach many a times in this church. If you've heard the gospel preach plainly, it can't be hidden. But the scripture says, if our gospel be hid, so you could have heard it preached plainly, but still hidden. How do we know it's hidden to you? It's hidden to you because of your response to it. The gospel is hidden to you depending on your response to it. So if you're not responding, then guess what? It's hidden to you. Whether you want to like it or not. It's hidden to you because I just said God has made us as creatures to naturally appreciate whatever goodness that has been done to us. You naturally will appreciate any kind of goodness. If you don't appreciate any kind of goodness, you're in a whole lot of trouble. But naturally, we'll appreciate any kind of goodness that was done to us or done for us. And so now that we know the gospel message and who Jesus is and what he has done for us, if we don't respond to that in obedience, it just simply means the gospel is hidden to you. Now, I know you want to say, well, I'm just saying, let's not discuss gray areas. Let's just talk about what's plain. If you're not responding to the gospel, 
it's hidden from you. You have to you have to be real with yourself. You have to be true to yourself and say, if I'm not responding, it's hidden. If our gospel be hid, can I tell you this? First Corinthians, Second Corinthians. If you go to chapter one and one, can you pull that up? You you you're that good. Second Corinthians, chapter four, verse one. I'm going to show you something so you understand what's going on. Because sometimes we try to put off the word of God, the preaching of God on somebody else. Well, that's for her. That ain't for me. All right. Um, second Corinthians chapter 4. No, no. Let's go to uh, chapter 1, verse 1. I'm going to show you a little trick so you learn how to read your Bible. And I'll, I'll be done soon. Trust me. I've got probably about 10 minutes and I'm done. Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy, Paul and Timothy, our brother. Can, can you, what, what does it say after that? Unto the church of God. So let me show you how you read your Bible. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it's reading now, chapter 4, verse 3. And if our gospel be hid, who was Paul talking to? You got it now. He wasn't talking to people out in the street that didn't what that didn't know Christ. He was talking to church people. So I know y'all want to think, well, it can't be hidden from me. I've been in God. No, you talking about people that is in God that the gospel is hidden from them. But if our gospel be hid, veiled up, covered up. It's hidden if you're not obeying it. Until you obey it, it's hidden. It's covered. Christians, we're talking about. We're not talking about people out of the street. We're talking about believers of Jesus Christ. If our gospel be hid. <laughs> How can the gospel be hid from us? Let's look at, what are you talking about, Paul? How can the gospel be hid when the preacher preach it, we read it, we see it? Well, here is what happens. The gospel become hid to you when sin or the cares of this life has dominated you. When sin is dominating you, you're hearing but you're not hearing. You're seeing, but you're not seeing. This is what the Bible talking about. Hearing, but not hearing, and seeing, but not perceiving. When sin and all of this care of this world begin to dominate you, I can preach that I'm blue in the face. I can preach that I change color, and you will still sit there, and you won't respond because the gospel is hidden to you because of sin or because of you being consumed with the cares of this world. So that's how we walk out of this place. And so many people walk out of church often without being changed or without being delivered or without experiencing God in a, in a way that caused them to be different. It's because sin or the cares of this life is just so overwhelming you that you can't focus. You can't understand. You can't perceive. And even when I'm telling you, it's like you're saying, yeah, 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 I know, but somehow you can't get it done. 
I don't have to ask you what's going on in your life. I can tell by your response to the word of God. I can tell by your response to Jesus where you are in your life. And if you continue, you will hit rock bottom because God will leave you until you hit rock bottom. And then you might say, oh, God, I need you. So sin could be dominating your life. Or the cares of life. Oh, I got to do this for my kids. We've become sophisticated now. Back in the day, we never used to make that excuse because that was unacceptable back in the It wasn't proper protocol to tell the preacher, well, uh, I have to do something for my kids. No, no, no. We didn't tell that to the preacher back then. We just did everything for God. And never said nothing about the kids. Now we're sophisticated because we understand family is supposed to be important. Family was always important. But now, we, oh, I have to do this for my kid. I have to go here and take care of my kid and all of this stuff. I remember Jesus telling somebody, let the, bear, the dead bury their dead. Lord, I got to go back. I just bought this property. Lord, I got to go back because I just got married. Lord, I got to do this. Everybody got to do this. Jesus said, let the dead bury their dead. We forgot that that's in the Bible. Yeah, we forgot that that's in the Bible. Because we have all the right excuses and reasons for why we're not obeying the gospel. We've got it all figured out. And we know the right words to see. Can we realize that God knows our heart? This is not about the preachers, not about people, but God knows our heart. And so we know if the gospel is hidden to us because due to our response to the gospel. Listen, the Apostle Paul is trying to help us here. The gospel get hid to us because as Christians coming to church, we, we, we don't respond and appreciate God like we need to. We go through the motion. We just come in and do our thing. And so we keep coming, and as long as we don't respond, the power of God is not actively working in our life. The Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. So when we start to praise God, God can't help but to just consume us. The Holy Ghost can't help but to just start working our lives. But we don't give the Holy Ghost no opportunity to work because we don't respond in faith. We don't do anything in faith. We just listen and intellectually kind of grade what's going on. And so here is what happened. You do that, and what happens is the devil starts to dangle the lustful things before you. He just start dangling it. He knows exactly what you like. I might not know exactly what you like, and all of us got different things that we're hung up on and that we love. Some people got this, some other people got that. We all have things that we lust after. There's not one person in this audience that don't lust after something or some things. You are someone that will lust after this and lust after that, and the devil knows what it is. So when you come and you don't allow God, you don't give God praise, the devil start doing this. Sooner or later, sooner or later, because you're not, you, you're not allowing the power of God to work in your life. You know, having the form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. So you're not allowing the power of God to work in your life. And so he just does this. Sooner or later, he will start allowing different things to happen in your life. Sooner or later, you will go and get it. And so now you're consumed by it. And now that you're consumed by it, guess what? You start getting blinded to the gospel. And you're wondering, how did it happen? 
the devil knew you came to church and just did nothing. And so he dangled and caused you to do this. I might as well just grab it. And so you grab it. And now you have it. Now you're you're interacting with that thing. And it consumes your time. And you get caught up in it. Time's Time is just going by and you're not focused. Time is going by and the things you're supposed to do for God, you forget because you're consumed by that thing. You got caught up in the lustful thing. Again, it can be anything. And all of us have them. And so we get led astray. And that's how we get blinded. And so you're wondering, how can I be blind? The gospel is being preached clearly to me, but I'm being blind. I can't see. What, what, what does that mean? It just means that you're blinded with something else. You're preoccupied with other things. You're consumed by other things. And so you're veiled. The gospel is veiled. There's something in front of your eye. What is in front of your eye? Whatever that lustful thing is. Whatever it is, that's your veil. That's what's covering the gospel. And so you're trying to see the gospel, but your sin, your, 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 your lust, whatever you're caught up in, your, your self-centeredness, whatever it is that you're caught up in is right before your eyes and you can't see clearly. It's veiled to you. You're wondering why you're not obeying the gospel? Because the gospel is hidden to you. Because of what you have in your life, because of what's going on in your life, the gospel is hidden to you. The gospel is behind that veil. And until you remove the veil, you will never be able to see the gospel. And you can't see. And it's hidden. And you're wondering what's going on. But if our gospel be hid, why aren't we responding? Why aren't we responding? Because the gospel is hidden to you. You can't see. Listen, here is the question. Who in their right mind will find out who Jesus is? What Jesus can do, what Jesus has done, and what Jesus is doing. When you find that out about Jesus, who in their right mind turn aside and say, oh yeah, that's good. Uh, Not too bad. And just start doing their own thing. Who in their right mind can understand who Jesus is, what Jesus has done for them, what he can do? All-powerful God, the one that created everything. You know all of that about him. Who can know all of that and really turn their back on that? The gospel is hid. It's hid. You can't know it. Somehow you can't perceive it. This is why in Acts, the book of Acts, when, when, when Paul began to talk about it, that what needs to happen is we need to be turned from the power of Satan unto the power of God. Because as long as Satan is ruling in your life, you're blind, the God of this world. That's what he is, the God of this world. He's the magic man. And so he makes you think that you, you, you know, you're okay when you're not. The Bible tells us you're blind if you're not responding in faith to the word of God. So how are we going to get it done? What are we going to do moving forward? What are we going to do moving forward to try to get this thing together? Listen, and here's where I'm closing at. Mark chapter 16, verse 15 says, And he said unto them, 
Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be condemned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. The ones that believed and got baptized. These signs will follow them. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. It said in 16, he that believeth when the gospel is preached. When the gospel is preached, he that believeth and is baptized. Principle. Remember, I always tell you principle. Principle is when you hear the gospel preached, if you're seeing clearly and it's not hidden, you will respond. That's what it means. So whatever your situation is, for some it will be baptism. For some it will be repentance. For some it's going to be God washed me in the word and get my heart and my mind right. But the bottom line is, if the gospel is preached to you and it's not hidden, you will respond to the gospel. That's the bottom line. If you're not responding, you're blind. And you're the last to know. Or maybe you know and you don't care. Here is what the Lord dropped in my spirit. Give me the tabernacle. Here is what the Lord just, this is what worked me over this entire weekend. So I got the message I needed to preach and God finished it out like this. Here's where I'm closing today. God, I didn't hear him vocally orally, but the Holy Spirit, as I was praying, Tuesday I was caught up in the cloud of witness. I was in the third heavens, I felt like, Tuesday morning before I went to work. And as I got done praying, the Spirit of the Lord just clearly quickened this in my mind. Listen to this. Coming to church is like a priest ministering in the tabernacle. The Bible says we are a royal priesthood. God show you things in the Old Testament that he manifests in the New Testament. Principles, typologies. I told you about that. Natural for spiritual. And the tabernacle was natural today. We know the spiritual. But God put clearly, clearly, I could not miss this. Just put it in my spirit. That coming to church is like the priest. Performing his responsibilities in the tabernacle. So let me take you home now and close out this service. This is why I prayed for you today. I took you to the brazen altar. This is what he showed me. Right where you see, right at the beginning, right before the brazen altar, there's a gate right there. Praise and worship. That's the gate. Of praise and worship. That's what praise and worship is for when you come to a church service. You're entering the gates. I don't, I can't, I don't know about you. He blows my mind when he begins to show me things. And so, when you come into the 
tabernacle, the church building. You enter with praise and thanksgiving. That's why the church service starts going with praise and thanksgiving. Then when I came up, I took you to the brazen altar. That's what I was doing in case you didn't know. I took you there to say, this is where the priest killed the sacrifice. This is where he offered up the sacrifice unto the Lord. Blood had to be shed at this place. I said, oh, Lord. I couldn't stay still. I still couldn't stay still till this morning now. So he showed me that you got to give yourself as a sacrifice. So now that you praise and you worship, you got to give yourself to me as a living sacrifice. You have to repent of your sins and ask me to burn out because that's an altar where there's fire there. There's fire. So you put the sacrifice and the sacrifice is consumed. So he's saying burn up or burn out all that is ungodly and all that is unrighteous. Boom. Then he moved me to the next thing and says, for those who are not baptized, they need to get baptized. For the ones that have been baptized, but, but the gospel is hidden, they need to be washed in the word of God. Oh, somebody help me this morning. I'm telling you what God showed me. And then we get to the door to get into the holy place. And we know that we, 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 we the, the, the character, the name of God, and we said, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. We, we understand the characteristics of his name, and so we walk in that holy place. We are in the holy place right now. The, this portion of the service is the holy place. The holy place is where the light will shine. That's revelation. When God is using somebody to preach to you, that's revelation. You're getting understanding. You're getting revelation. That's, that's the lampstand, the light. That, that's revelation. Then, then you go over to the table of showbread or shoebread. That is the word of God. Then the altar of incense. While the, the preaching is going on, we're praying also for those that we need to see God deliver and God save. And so right there in the holy place is where we are right now. We're in the holy place because when you're finished, God wants you to have complete the job or the responsibility of the high priest. You get right there and we're going on now. He said, now the veil is right there and it's time to go beyond the veil. That's where the altar call goes on that we miss so often. When the service is over, stand with me. When the service is over, when the preaching is done, church is not over. You see, all the other things that you did from the start, you were ministering unto God. That's you. You came into the church. Then you came into the holy place. Now the words start ministering to your heart. But you're not supposed to leave till you had your own personal intimate experience with God, which is always behind the veil. It's where the holies of holy is. And that's where you will have intimate fellowship. And so if you follow what God has laid out in the tabernacle... Every time you leave church, you are supposed to have been in the presence of God before you left. You're supposed to have commune with God because you went through step by step by step by step to be able to complete the process of your encounter, of your experience. Remember back in the day, that was their church. That was their tent. They laid out and the courtyard around it. 
So today we, we hear people talk about grace tabernacle. So they're still calling church buildings tabernacle, but we're missing what we're supposed to do in those buildings because God never start nothing without completing it. And what he started back then was to show us today what ought to be done when we claim we're going in the house of the Lord to worship. When we say we're going to church on a Sunday to worship, that is supposed to be the process that we go through in order for us to, in, to, to be able to, to, to have an encounter with God. We're not supposed to leave this place until we have our own personal encounter. And so how do you get into the holies of holy? That's where we plead the blood of Jesus Christ. Because that's what the priest was required to do is put the blood upon the horn of the altar. And so you enter that place by pleading the blood of Jesus Christ over your life. And then when you plead the blood of Jesus Christ over your life, then you begin to just just submit yourself to God. God, I submit myself to you. I submit my life to you. I give you my all. God, here I am. Will you have your way in my life? I'm here, Lord God, because I want to be consumed by you, Lord God. I want to have an intimate, in, intimate relationship with you. I want to commune with you, Lord God. Oh, my God, I pray that you strengthen me. This part of the tabernacle is where you get authority from. Because when you get in the presence of God, remember what was in the holies of holies. It was the Ark of the Covenant. And one of the things that was in the Ark of the Covenant was Aaron's rod that budded. And that, that, that demonstrates power. Authority, the sword, authority, the word of God, authority. So when you get into a holy place with God, you will come out with authority. We're going home from church services powerless because we never completed the responsibility, the process of what God expected of us when we come to church. If you want to go home with some authority, you want to go home with the power of God in your life when somebody is it's, it's connected to you when they see you. They're like, oh my God, there's something going on with you. Because guess what? You followed the process and you went into the holies of holy and you was communing with God. You left out of that thing and said, come on, devil, if you're ready, you can't handle this. Because you are in the presence of God. You and God. You and God. Not just you by yourself. You and God. And you commune with God. And now you can leave out of this place today the way God wants you. And you don't have to come to church and just get some word in your mind and in your heart and leave without being transformed. God wants you to be in his presence. That's how you got to order yourself in any church service. I don't care where you are. I don't care what they tell you. I'm telling you what the Holy Spirit just showed me clearly on Tuesday. That this is God's intent for all of us when we come to church. is following the tabernacle plan that the high priest went through. And God wants you to minister to him and he will minister to you. This is what a relationship is all about. We want God to do everything and we don't want to do anything. But how it works in the tabernacle is you minister to the Lord. And when you get into the holies of holy, the Lord will minister to you. And there is a relationship. There's a back and forth. But we can't any longer come to church and make it. Well, God, what are you going to do today? And he says, what are you going to do today? We put it all on God like God is. He has done great things. We just read today the gospel. What it does for us. What God 
has done for us. He has done everything. What more can he do? Miracles, providing for you, that's nothing for God. You are his children. He's going to take care of you. But that's not what God is looking for from you. What God is want from you is a real relationship. And he wants intimacy with you. He wants you to surrender to him. He wants you to give everything to him because God wants to know us in an intimate way. It's not just coming to this building. It's time to uncover the gospel. The gospel has been hidden and we have not, not, been honest with ourselves. We can't see clearly because the veil is over the gospel. Our sins have veiled up the gospel. Our worldly ways have veiled up the gospel. And the only way we're going to see the gospel today, the Bible says that we must submit to God, resist the devil, and he must and he will flee. The Bible also says that God can turn us from the power of darkness and turn us and bring us into his marvelous light. We need to get out of darkness. We need to get out of the place where things are veiled up and we can't see clearly. We need to make sure that we can see clearly. And the only way you know you're seeing clearly is when you respond in obedience to the gospel. If you just leave the same way that you're leaving, when you came in, the gospel was veiled up, uncovered. It was covered up. And you couldn't see, and you're leaving today, still can't see. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that somebody that you have spoken to today will come forth. That, Lord God, they will desire a relationship with you as you desire a relationship with them. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, that somebody will walk forth today and said, in faith, I believe. In faith, in faith, I will respond to the word of God today because, God, I believe your word. I believe, almighty God, that you want relationship with me. I believe, almighty God, you want to be intimate with me. I believe, almighty God, that you want to know me in a way that... Oh God, I've never allowed myself, I've never given myself to you for you to know me that way, Lord God. I know you know everything about me, but you want to know me in an intimate way. And so today, Lord God, I pray that the power of God will help us, those of us that are struggling, Lord God. Oh God, those of us that, that, that Lord God, have allowed the enemy, Lord God, to constrain us, Lord God, to hinder us, Lord God, from moving forth, from responding in obedience. I pray today in the name of Jesus uh, that you will set them free, Lord God. uh, That you will loose them, Lord God. Liberate them, Lord God. uh, That from this day forth, Lord God, uh, their desire will be, yes, Lord, to have uh, a relationship with you that they never had. Uh, I pray today in the name of Jesus uh, that the power of God uh, will destroy the yoke of bondage uh, that is upon every person uh, that is bound in this place, uh, that is upon every person, Lord God, that is constrained. I pray today in the name of Jesus. 
In the name of Jesus, I pray today for the captives to be set free. I pray that the gospel will be uncovered and obeyed in faith. I pray that the gospel will be uncovered and obeyed in the name of Jesus by faith, Almighty God. I pray that somebody today, Lord God, will obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. That, Lord, they will come to the understanding and the reckoning, Lord God, of what you have done for them. Of what you have done, Lord God, to give them a second chance. Of what you've done, oh God, to pull them out of the burning. Of what you've done for them, Lord God, to give them life eternal. I pray that somebody will respond in faith, in obedience, Lord God. That somebody will leave here today because they experience your presence. That they will conduct themselves differently. Oh, let the Spirit of God overshadow us, Lord God. That, Lord God, our attitude will be adjusted, Lord God. Our mind will be transformed, oh God. And oh my God, we will commune in a way like we never have with one another. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I pray today, Lord God, that Lord Jesus, there will be a great response. That God, there will be faith in this house. And the people of God will never be the same again. In the name of Jesus. Somebody press your way through into God's presence. Somebody press your way through into God's presence. Tell God you want to experience His presence. Tell God you want to experience His power and His authority in your life. Tell God you want to experience a closeness, an intimate relationship with Him. Tell God you want more of Him. Tell God you want more of Him. Tell God to touch you and to help you to be who He called you to be. Tell God your desire oh, to be closer to Him in the name of Jesus. Oh, yes, 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 yes. In the name of Jesus. Yes, 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 yes. Cry out to God. Somebody cry out to God. Somebody cry out to God. Don't you settle for where you are. That's not God's intent for you to stay where you are. It's not God's intent for you to remain in a struggle. It is not God's intent for you to stay bound. It's not God's intent that you stay where you are spiritually. God wants to bring you closer. He wants to bring you in. Will you trust God today? Will you trust Him? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, press through today. Press through today. Press through today. In the name of Jesus. God, will you remove the veil from before our eyes? In the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, will you remove the veil from before our eyes that we can see in the name of Jesus Christ. God, will you remove? We need to see clearly. We're being, oh God, hindered from seeing the gospel for the way it is. From understanding and obeying the gospel. Will you remove the veil? Will you remove the veil? Will you remove the veil?